Romans 11, verses 1 through 6, these are God's words. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. And I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is works then it is no longer grace, otherwise work. It is no longer work. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. There are many Israelites who are not believing Bible God and his goodness causes not only the creation to announce to them not only his existence, but also his divine attributes, especially uh, his goodness and that he is a God to be worshipped and trusted in and called upon. Those things that we heard about the end of Romans 10. Uh, and Israel, of course, has had not just this, like every nation and every every people who speak in every tongue have. As Psalm 19 says, uh, and as Romans 10 quoted, but Israel has had the preaching. They have had Moses. They have had Isaiah. They've had all the other nations. Moses even told them uh, about their unbelief and about how God would retrieve uh, Israelites from their unbelief by provoking them to jealousy as God saved Gentiles. And also a warning that there would be Israelites who would be provoked not to jealousy, to trust in God, but to anger. And so they have had, they had uh, Moses and Isaiah, especially in Isaiah, this wonderful anthropomorphic picture of God in the preaching of the gospel. All day long, I have stretched out my hands. What a uh, mercy and marvel, really, it is for us that the living God would stretch out his hands to us in the preaching of the gospel and welcoming us to come to him and to believe in Jesus Christ. And yet, as marvelous and as merciful as the picture of God is in Isaiah 65, verse 2, which is quoted in Romans 10, verse 21, the picture and the prophecy about his people is very sobering to a disobedient and contrary people. And so Paul adds his own words. Uh, he said, Moses says in verse 19, and Isaiah says in verse 20, and now in the first verse of this chapter, he says, I say then, has God cast away his people? He is speaking, he's identifying himself as speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so that we can see that what Moses says and what Isaiah says and what Paul says are all to be taken together. And what the Spirit tells us through each one uh, helps us understand what he is saying through the others. Scripture interprets scripture. Very important. Uh, 
lesson in hermeneutics just by those first three words in chapter 11, I say, then. Uh, and God has, in perfect wisdom and goodness, uh, selected Paul to be the one by whom he would write this, because he can he can answer the question, has God cast away his people by saying, certainly not, for I also am an Israelite. Um, it would It's irrational to say that by Paul's preaching of the gospel, God has rejected Israel. Because if he had, then Paul wouldn't be saved. And especially Paul wouldn't be saved. He says, I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And that's where he leaves it here. But it reminds us of Philippians 3, verses 4 and 5, where he went on to add, circumcised in the eighth day, and uh, gave his credentials as a Hebrew of Hebrews, and uh, as for... Uh, obedience to the law, a Pharisee. In fact, uh, in in that passage, he said, if anybody thinks he has reason to boast in the flesh, I more. And he trotted out his Israelite credentials. Sadly, boasting in the flesh as an Israelite also included there in Philippians 3, as for zeal, persecuting the church. Paul views himself as the last person on earth who could say that God has rejected Israel. Because if anybody had ever deserved to be rejected, it was Paul. He was a persecutor of the church. He was an attacker of Christ. And yet God saved him. And God didn't save him because of any good in him whatsoever. God saved him because he had foreknown him. God saved him because he had determined to love Paul no matter what Paul did. Because God would atone for that sin and redeem him from that sin. Right, Sophia? Jesus' cross takes away the guilt of our sin. And Jesus' resurrection life is the life that delivers us from the power of our sin. And he's our only hope. He's the only hope for sinners. He was the only hope for Paul the sinner. And so if God had rejected Israel, there wouldn't be any hope for Paul the sinner. How could Paul get saved if God had rejected Israel? But he hasn't. Uh, and so this, this question is answered by how amazing is the grace of God uh, to Paul and to all those whom he saves. So the first thing we see here is amazing grace. And this amazing grace really is not different than it was before. The second thing we see is unchanging grace. So he's referred to Moses. He's referred to Isaiah. He identifies himself as uh, writing scripture and now he he refers back to first kings first kings 19 or do you not know what the scripture says of elijah how he pleads with god against israel saying so so paul is is making the argument here uh, if you were just going to go uh, based upon the evidence that men see then at what point other than perhaps you know a couple months in Egypt with the Exodus and a day in which he kills 185,000 Assyrians and a few sprinkled moments during the judges and a couple victories of David. And, um, those are all uh, military type things. Uh, very rarely has there been any sort of uh, genuine repentance. You know, some kings have been converted uh, and the, the people eh, 
did okay under them, but never as they should. As he says, at what point does the response of the Israelites uh, determine whether or not you think God has uh, has cast off Israel? So he reminds them from 1 Kings 19. He says, but the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. So had God cast off Israel then. And Elijah is saying Israel has cast off God, but we know that that comes uh, just by the withholding of his uh, of his grace and his mercy and leaving them to themselves, hardening them even, uh, as they are and as they deserve to be made more of what they are like. But what does the divine response say to him? It's very interesting. He uses this word that is translated divine response. There are plenty of Greek words for saying, you know, what does God say to him, or how does God respond to him, or how does God answer him? <coughs> but this word, divine response, uh, is one that is found largely in classical Greek uh, to refer to words of the oracle, words that are beyond uh, what man could obtain for himself, words that are actually beyond what their false gods, puny gods, could obtain for themselves, but words that were always absolutely true and even controlling of what will happen. And of course, uh, that is a uh, an ignorant, um, atheistic way uh, of uh, responding to the reality that there is a true and living God who does determine everything by his word. So even the memory of, of that or the shadow of that is left uh, in the mind and the heart of the unbelieving Greeks. There are a couple of places, actually three I think total, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament that came from the same period, where utterance of God or proclamation of God or oracle of God um, was translated using this word. But this is the only instance of the word in the entire New Testament. And you see what Paul is saying here. He's saying, Reality is not determined by the evidence that you think you see. The truth includes not only everything, even if you could know everything and everyone and what they were doing for just a moment, which of course is impossible, or continually, which of course is more impossible, you would still be missing the determinative data. Because what determines what is and what will happen is not in the creation, it's in the creator. It's in God himself. And so if we are going to, uh, if we are going to ask a question like, has God cast away his people, then we need to get the answer from God. Not from how we see the Israelites responding. And so God had answered to Elijah, actually your data is off. There's 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And not only is your data off because you don't know about these 7,000, your data is off because you don't have access to the decree of God, the election of God. How is it that these 7,000 didn't bow the knee to Baal? Verse 4, I have reserved for myself. God doesn't tell Elijah, don't worry, there's, there's 7,000 that I still accept because they haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Or there's 7,000 that uh, that aren't out to kill you because they haven't bowed the knee to Baal. 
Now, the reason they haven't bowed the knee to Baal is because God has reserved them. Because in his electing love, in his foreknowledge, verse 2, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew, that knowing and loving ahead of time that chapter 8 and verse 29 told us about, generally, and Paul now, applies to himself and the other converted Israelites here, God foreknew them, God reserved them for himself. And so verse four, uh, verse 3 and 4, he's quoting from 1 Kings 19 to say, don't you know that the only Israelites that were ever saved were those who were foreknown, whom God reserved for himself and saved by his grace in accordance with that election? So you can't say, oh, only those who whom God elects and saves by grace are being saved. God must have cast off Israel. No, that's the only way they were ever saved. The amazing thing is that he's bringing in the nations. That there are these multitudes now of Gentiles, of Greek uh, culture people from all the other nations that God is bringing to faith in Jesus Christ. Because he foreknew them, and now by his grace he is saving them. And so it's not that he's closed off salvation in Israel. It's just as big, perhaps bigger than it's ever been. In a few months' time, Paul is going to go to Jerusalem, and the, uh, the, the apostles and elders who pastor the church in Jerusalem uh, are going to tell him in Acts 21, don't you see how many tens of thousands of Jews have believed? It's maybe the largest number of conversions of Jews we read about in the entire Bible. He hasn't cut off or narrowed or closed off Israel, even today. Although the Jews as a, as a people, as a whole, if you were to consider the, consider the evidence, uh, you would say yeah, they are still a disobedient and contrary people. They are refusing to believe in Jesus Christ. But yet are there not multitudes of individual Israelites whom the Lord has foreknown, whom he is bringing to faith in Jesus? And so it's not that he's closed off Israel, it's that he's opened up to the rest of the world. And we see his foreknowing them, his electing them, and his saving them by grace in even greater abundance now. So verse 5, we move from this unchanging grace. First we had amazing grace, thinking especially of the conversion of Paul and remembering that every conversion is according to the same foreknowledge. And then we have the unchanging grace, that this is the way it's always been, and the evidence of that in First Kings 19. And then electing grace, even so at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. He says, right now, whether you're talking about what's happening with the Israelites, which is smaller than uh, apparently men had hoped, or apparently smaller than men apparently had hoped, we should use those things, those words, or whether you're talking about the bringing in of uh, Gentile Christians, this is a remnant according to the election of grace. However many or however few, the fact that it is a remnant, that it is not the whole, and that the thing that determines the difference between uh, the, the whole of humanity and those who are saved is electing, is electing grace, that fact continues to remain true. And so... It is by electing grace, and then he 
uh, emphasizes uh, that grace and works are mutually exclusive, which means if it is one, then it cannot be the other. And if it is the other, then it cannot be the one. It can't be partly by election and part uh, partly by works. It can't be partly by grace and partly by works. It says, if by grace it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is by works, then it is no longer of grace. Otherwise work is no longer work. And so even, uh, even in the fact that those who are being saved of Israel are a remnant, and those who are being saved of the nations are a remnant, it is further evidence in the way that God has determined to save, to show us that his saving is entirely by grace, according to his election. So if you believe in Jesus, it is not because you just happen to be in the right family and hear the right things, uh, and uh, by your wisdom, you figured out, yes, this is true, Jesus is true, I, I should believe in him. If you believe in Jesus, it is because God has loved you from before the world began. He has chosen, just like he chose all of those things that we just talked about, the the family that you would be in, the gospel that you would hear, but also to give you grace in the heart by which to respond. So that if you don't know if you believe in Jesus, then you still know where believing can come from. God will give you grace in the heart to believe in him, to be able to trust in Jesus and and hate your sins. The saving of the remnant is always by electing grace, not by works. And so we can't be proud if we are saved, and we dare not think that someone else cannot be saved because there is yet the grace of God, and we do not know who are elect. And so we both respond to God with praise, and we pray for others, and we tell them the gospel, as we trust him and hope in him who saves by his electing grace. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which your spirit caused to be written, which your spirit wrote by men like Moses and Isaiah and Paul and the prophets. And we thank you that your word tells us about how salvation is all by your foreknowing, foreloving, and then in time saving by grace those whom you had loved before time. We thank you for saving us, Lord. I pray that you would give to my wife and to each of my children the knowledge that they have believed in Christ and that this was by your electing love and by your almighty grace as you worked in their life, in their heart, and in their mind. Lord, if, if any of them are not sure of these things, give them to look to you, give them to trust in Christ and to know that it was you who gave the grace to do so. And we do pray for many whom we know that are perishing in their sins that you might, by your grace, uh, save them, especially for my brother and uh, his children. We thank you, O God, that you have not cast Israel off, and you have not cast the world off, but that there continues to be a remnant today, according to electing grace. Save your remnant, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.